Hello and welcome back to another episode of Movies That Make Us. I'm Jake. I'm Tracy. And I'm Val. And real quick, we've got all of our friends here again. Everybody just say your name. I'm Sean. I'm Caitlin. I'm Mark. Stefan. Patrick. All right. And we are back talking about more Star Wars. And this is going to be our episode number 50, marking oh, one nice. year as a podcast. Which is awesome. here for... When it's we're going to trash Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no better way, if you're on a movie podcast, to celebrate a year into it than talking about all the Star Wars movies. That's true. So That's a good This point. will be a lot of fun. Val, you put this together. What are we doing today? Okay, so we are going to talk about the entire saga in 40 minutes. <laughs> and we've got a lot of people sitting around the table. Um, we put everyone's links um, on our Facebook page on this post so that you can go and see um, how to get to their podcasts. Um Basically, we're just going to break apart the saga. Um, I want to talk about, uh, firstly, um, start right off the bat. And I know that in the last episode, um, we talked about how you have to go here and there and here and there to get the stories from the last three movies. But putting it out there that George Lucas actually started writing this and put the movies out in the wrong order in the first place. Starting all of the confusion. No, no, he did. I mean, kind of. Before we get too deep into it, though, yeah. I do want to thank Megaplex for having us here. Yeah, yes. we are sitting because we are, um, in the fanciest, schmanciest yeah, Megaplex awesome. room. I feel like we should be making some decisions for Megaplex. Oh, we yeah. should. What I'm doing right now is I'm eating um, the petal corn with the, what do you call this? The Cheetos popcorn. The Cheetos popcorn together. You gotta mix it. You should sell it together like that and then... Then you lick the Cheetle off your finger. That's what I call the cheese. The from this the is, Don I li- And then I can say I'm licking Cheetle. Wow. <laughs> there are so many things I'm not saying. I just, I just want to say. This is rated PG-13, right? Okay, never mind. You I can put it out there and now, you just There's your innuendo. <laughs> I get as many innuendos as I need. So, as long as I don't yeah, say you do. <laughs> I have nowhere to go on licking the Cheetle off your fingers, but... Thanks for joining us, everyone. Yeah, that's it. That's the show. No, but the Cheetos popcorn is a revelation, however. This is amazing. It's got Cheetos in it anyway. So thank you, Megaplex, for having us here. This is fantastic. All right. I have a hot take. Go, please, Caitlin. Yeah. This is my hot take. Uh, I know we all uh, have strong feelings about the prequels. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. prequels... If I believe that if George Lucas had access to the technology that he did when he made the pre to, when he made the original movies that he did when he made the prequels, the original trilogy would have looked just as janky yeah. and just mm-hmm. as filled with just as much CGI mm-hmm. as the original as the prequels do now. I don't have a problem with the I, prequels, and I love Jar Jar. The so, prequels are wow. probably the oh, most wow. <laughs> are probably the most pure One bombshell just, at a time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the most pure version of what George Lucas thinks Star Wars should look like. I, I think you're right and I think one of the biggest evidences for that is what he did with the special editions that came out to mark yeah. the 20th anniversary oh of Star yeah. Wars yeah. where he added in a lot of the CGI because he wasn't able to make the scenes look like he wanted them to see. And George Lucas is a perfectionist mm-hmm. and yeah. he struggled. I mean, he directed... Have you ever seen his beard? That thing is taken care of. <laughs> <It is fantastic. laughs> That's how you can tell a perfectionist like a man if he has a beard and it looks all janky. This is a man, though, who made A New Hope, Star Wars, and 
worked himself to the point of having a heart attack, basically, <laughs> because he needed it to be shot for shot perfect. Yeah, I mean, I think Bacon had a play in that. Well, yeah, he was a young guy when he made Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he it, it was stress and it was yeah. work and and that's who he is. And so I, I think you're right. This is the prequels are what we would have had if he had that technology with yeah. the with the original and, trilogy. And I would I also my other hot take is that the reason why the original especially a new hope holds up as well as it does is that's shot like an indie movie yes because it was an indie movie it was, and when yeah. you when you film indies and anybody who's ever worked in film knows that when you shoot indies everything needs to be directed very very well because you can't shift even one to one side and you'll notice that everything is being held together with paper mache right so that's why a new hope holds up as well as it does is because it's shot like an indie movie because it had to be directed very 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 well Mm-hmm. To hide the fact that everything looked like crap. Does everybody yep. remember the first time they saw Star Wars? No. No. Yes. Nope. Yeah? Do you remember? I do. Tell I, us. I, I actually do. So, I grew up in a household full of Trek fans. Whoa. So, seeing seeing New Hope was supposed to basically go like, look, this is why you stay in our camp. All right. <laughs> you, you are. <laughs> it's like you are next. You are uh, next generation trash, and you will love it. Okay, <laughs> it's something where seeing New Hope for the first time. I think I was about five and a half, and whatnot, and I lost my mind with the entire movie because I was like, "Ooh, okay, people with light swords. I can do this and whatnot." <laughs> I've never seen this in you know in Star Trek, so for me, it was a gateway to like more imaginative storytelling because it was something that I could actually understand and grasp. Mm-hmm. Whereas Star Trek, I sat there the entire time. Why is the person with the funny head ridge is talking with the person with the weird ears doing, I don't know what's going on. Why do the people in red always die? Well, Star Wars, that was the first movie I remember seeing in the theater and I'm, Dating myself here. That's back in the day when you had to stand in line to get a ticket and then stand back in line again to to get get the seat. seat. Mm -hmm. Ah, Those were the days. Kids, Um, that's when they didn't have apps on their phones to buy tickets. Or phones to buy phones. (laughs) You had to send a pigeon to let your mom know where you were. A strange man named Mr. Movie Phone would talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) He would just have to let I was like going to make a movie had... phone joke. I'm glad you did. So I our age shows when you'd call into a special number and the the theater would just somebody would read off all the times and everything like that. Yeah. I hated when my theater would, like the showing was the last one and you missed you the one three thirty. You're like, dang it, I missed it again. You're talking <laughs> about a job call I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would be great. <laughs> but these these are the movies I grew up on. I loved all of them. I, and, and I'm still a fan, even with some of the newer films. I'm not as big a fan of the prequels. Um, I know people who grew up with the prequels love them. To me, the prequels are disappointing for the most part. Um, one, two actually is, to me, the worst Star Wars film. I agree. I think I two agree. is the Clone worst. Um, but even a bad Star Wars movie is still good to me. Like I am, I, I loved going to galaxy's edge. I got to go there when it first opened with my brother on his birthday, we built lightsabers and built droids. I love the star Wars universe. Um, but I can step back and take a critical look at it, but I'm also still a fan. I think star Wars has this magical ability when you're growing up for it to kind of seem like you're Peter Pan at Neverland. Like mm-hmm. it's all your, like you, have a character to relate to whether it's Han, whether it's Leia, whether it's 
Anakin, whether it's Padme, they all have strong characters that when you grow up with, like even prequels, you can relate to a lot of stuff. Mine's Maybe Jar-Jar. I don't like Sam that much, you know? I relate it's to Jar okay. Jar the most, I think. Jar Jar. No, Lisa. I relate to Jar Jar the oh, most. Okay. But I thought we were going to have to Jar down. I'm young Anakin. He's fantastic. But I oh think my god! <laughs> the Jake Lloyd Anakin. The Jake Lloyd Anakin. Oh, just so you know. Are you so, an angel? So Jake Lloyd's family yeah. just wrote a press release the, the other he, day yeah. that he that he is getting help. He he's doing okay, but he has you know paranoid schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is getting help and he's doing okay. And and I I think it was when I read that I thought to myself. Before the Star Wars that we have now and before, it's a great time to be a nerd right now. Like when I was younger, I'm 40. Mm -hmm. When I was younger, it was not okay for girls to be nerds. And I was like on the dance team and I did all the things that girls were supposed to do. But they didn't know that I went home and played with Transformers and I had um, the really cool snow Star Wars pop up set um, that my brother took from me. Thanks a lot, Nick. (laughs) Um, and, and so I was a nerd and, and now it's, it's okay to be a nerd now. It's the best time to be a nerd. Mm -hmm. So back when that happened, I don't think people understood that when star Wars came back after such a long time and this kid, Jake Lloyd is going to be young Darth Darth Vader. Vader. Mm -hmm. That is such a big, heavy thing to put on a kid as your first freaking role in a movie. And And then you throw the fans at him. And like we already said in the last episode, and I'm sorry, we're all star Wars fans here, but the big ratio of star Wars fans that are out there that are vocal are assholes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, and not just that, but then you throw George Lucas's dialogue in there for him. He was such a brat. I wanted to punch him in the face. Although I have to say that is one of my favorite movie posts of all time where it has Jake Lloyd yes. and then it has the shadow of Darth Vader yeah, on the that wall. Is, that was, a really that was one of my favorite I have that poster. Uh, I have that poster. What? Yeah, that, it that gave it. us Darth Maul the first one. Darth Maul. Darth, 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 Darth Maul didn't become Maul. interesting until Clone Wars, though. True. Well, but he was I like cool. the mystery. Poor Jake Maul. Lloyd. I mean, that was. I, it didn't matter who they were going to no. play. That no. kid was had no shot. No shot. A because you can't make Darth Vader this little teeny tiny kid right. you yeah. you just you can't and then yes you throw lucas's well di- you can't see the air quotes dialogue uh <laughs> that that even you know adult actors go yeah. george really this is what you want me to try and, to say good actors good actors and yeah, like, well, yeah. you McGregor. he, he kind of yeah. did it with hayden christensen too he kind of mm-hmm. almost ruined his career with that because fans he, are just he's, starting he's to not turn the around. best actor but he's not bad no, no, he's not. He's not. Like no, he's great. I like him. I like him. But, but then, too, but what that but did was, unfortunately, it kind of set the tone for the prequels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then you get to episode two, which it is the worst of the prequels, oh, oh, oh. I think. Um, and it, he kind of redeems himself, and Luke George kind of redeems himself in three. But, mm-hmm. but, but the problem with the prequels that I've always found is, no matter what you find good or bad about any particular part of them, is that you know where they end up. You, you, we know exactly yeah. how yeah. that sequ- series has to end. Yeah. It's going to end right here. So now you, if they don't pull off getting you from point A to point B, you get to pick it apart. Mm-hmm. It's not like the, the you know, four, five, and six where you're, you're following along and you don't know where it's going. So you're a lot more accepting mm-hmm. of what they're giving you. Yeah. And Val, you touched this on this in the last episode, mm-hmm. is give us something to take, don't let us choose. Well, in the, right. the prequels, everyone kind of had their ideas, right. yeah, and and to the to the detriment of the the reception well, of that that trilogy. W- one of my favorite examples of that is when 
you know, you see Obi-Wan with Qui-Gon. And my thought was, wait a second. In the movies, Yoda trained Obi-Wan. Uh-huh. Obi-Wan says yes. Yoda. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, but Yoda kind of trained all the Jedi. Because he was like, <laughs> over all the Jedi. Yeah. Well, that's kind of lame. Two of my favorite characters, and I know I'm going to get some flack for this, so you can email um, about me and not Tracy for this one. <laughs> Listen, I love the original three. I really do. But I love the depth of Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. And they're... I, I'm really hoping that, and I know they keep going back and forth with the Obi-Wan series, is I just want to know and see so much more about Obi-Wan Kenobi Mm -hmm. and Qui-Gon. I don't think they're going to bring Qui-Gon back, but I hope that they at least talk about him because he was a big, you know, I mean, he trained Obi-Wan Kenobi. And and for me, those two characters, yeah, and Qui-Gon, even if they just reference him and how much um, he had, he's kind of like the old school Jedi, you know, he's the Mm -hmm. one that came... And I don't mind the midichlorians and I don't mind Jar Jar or anything mm-hmm. like that, but I just love those two so much. And I, I don't have a problem with the prequels because my daughter stopped liking Star Wars at Force Awakens, but she loved Star Wars when she was younger with the prequels. Yeah. Jar Jar was made to bring my kid and my mm-hmm. kid's generation into the Star Wars universe. Yeah. He, what, what George Lucas um, does the best um, is he knows his marketing and he knows the audience he wants to bring in. And and so he needed a character like Jar Jar to bring people into the Star Wars universe. However, those of us that were already in were already like, you can take our money every day of the week. Mm-hmm. It, that kind of jolted us a little bit because it was a little cartoony and a little whatever. But when we were little, we loved E.T. And we loved, what was the space movie with the eyeball and the... The Navigator is not a good movie, but it's an no. amazing movie. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But that cheesy thing brought parents to bring their kids to the movie to pay yeah. the money. Mm-hmm. And that's what, and I love marketing and I love branding yeah. and I love that whole thing. And he needed to bring people back to star Wars. And that's what he did in the first movie is he gave us this kid that could have been any of our kids. I mean, you, most of you guys are too young, but you've got six of them. I mean, you can pass yeah. them out to the ones that don't. <laughs> and one of them's going to end up being a Sith, I'm sure. It's a good chance, yeah. especially if they hang out with me. But so for me, like, I don't hate the prequels because for me, it was I was born after the first one came out in the theater, like most of us in this room. Um, except for three of you. I won't. Yeah, I'm Um But. So for me to be able to go and see a Star Wars movie for the first time it was opening yeah. in a theater, um, I the prequels for me, it was that what was what another generation got for them. I, I agree. Like for, for Phantom Menace, I went and saw that movie, I don't know how many times, but uh, it was a ton. And I know that like looking at it now, it's like, oh, it's boring, whatever. I loved Qui-Gon. I loved Darth Maul. I thought one of the great, one of the worst things about movies is that they both die at the end because spoilers. Like, <laughs> but... but but for me, I agree. That was the first time I got to see a Star Wars movie for the first time in the theater. And that was magic. Yeah, and I did that. And remember, at, back then, you had to go at 12 at midnight. Yeah, yes. yep. right at midnight. Right. Yep. And then you had to stay up and watch it. Because I remember mm-hmm. that, waiting in lines. Because yep. I was the same way. I was born in people, 83 people the last year. People camped out to watch those movies. Yeah. I Luckily, I, I knew some people. Out. They still camp out at that Chinese theater to raise uh, money for charity. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. But so I, I didn't have an opportunity to see the originals in theater. I was born the same year the last one came out. Mm-hmm. But seeing these new ones in theaters, yeah, I get that nostalgia. But when I was young, we didn't have access like you do nowadays. DVDs, you know, streaming it. We had a VHS. Yep. They, the 
VH, they were hard to come by. We didn't own one. We had to rent one sometimes. But that was how we got to see Star Wars as a kid. You know, we'd have to rent a VHS. We'd have to rent the machine. We'd have to do that. And you'd get it for two days. <laughs> and I probably burnt that tape out watching, you know, Return of the Jedi over and over. Because for me, it was the Ewoks. Yeah. Mm. The Ewoks were, were my catch. And that Whereas was the I'm thing. sure some adults were like, oh, those effing Ewoks. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Those there are a ton <laughs> of old school <laughs> Star Wars the, fans that hate the Ewoks. Right. Yeah. So that's and the I, catch. And I, I think it's the same as Jar Jar. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. And, and now oh, I agree. our kids have... You know, Baby Yoda has brought my son back around to love Star Wars again. And Baby Yoda's brought Baby everyone Yoda. back around. Mm-hmm. Brought Star Wars Wars again. Not like the child. <laughs> yeah. But so Star Wars for me, I loved them. I grew up on them. I do not mind. Like Val said, it's a Star Wars. I love Star Wars. I will watch everything. I've, do you guys remember the Ewok uh, return to Endor? The mm-hmm. battle yeah. for Endor? Yeah. No. Those, those are Y'all what I remember the watching. Special. Those. I don't care. I've watched, you know, and I. My kids, I forced my kids through some of this stuff. So legally, Tracy and I are not allowed to talk about the holiday special <laughs> on the air anymore. Yeah, they're grounded. <laughs> from yeah, it. one of the best um, so things. One of the best things in my life, though. What What was your favorite? What's What's the best Star Wars movie out of all of them? Out of Out of everyone, like well, which you want our favorite or the so best? Because I think those yeah. are two totally oh, okay. different questions. So just, that is fair. first That's of all. I just want to see if we're all on. Like, if everybody yells it out. Okay, what's the best? Star Wars movie, Rogue, Rogue One, Empire. Empire. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. So I got a, I got some Rogue Ones. Return I got Jedi. Return of the Jedi, Empire. and I have Empire. I mean, Empire, Empire or Rogue One? Rogue One's the best. Did you just say Solo? I'm a pilot of Star Wars. I really like Solo. Solo is underappreciated. You're among friends here. It's okay. The Jedi is so freaking Star Wars. It's ridiculous. Time out. Please, please defend your choice. I don't mean defend, by the way. I like Solo. Solo, because. Say the best I, is Solo. He said well, Solo is the best. Convince the rest of go. us why Solo is the best. <laughs> Star Wars movie. So one of the one of the things that Solo did very very well is everyone had speculations of different characters of like how they were brought up and what you know what got them there and you can go back through every you know all of the books that are no longer canon and mm-hmm. teach you like oh well this is how he ended up on Kashyyyk and how he was also uh, raised by Wookiees and whatnot but Solo literally looked at and went like okay that's all well and good but that's not who Solo really is this is not who Han is we're going to show you why he it's like why he calls himself a pilot even though he's a horrible pilot all right why the relationship between him and Chewie actually is based less off of friendship and more of a sense of like dual camaraderie as far as like okay you're a really good pilot i'm a navigator and whatnot so it gave you a depth of character development without actually having to go the full length of development so for me it was one of those where like i really want the next movie just to sit there and go like you guys made a like a rock solid base let's see what you do with a little bit more disney plus series and you'll like it but (laughs) you're alone so oh, I know you're, you're so, <laughs> so you're so I so you're so I am uncomfortable. No man, I love a good solo. I don't think it's the best, but I do like. You got a pun friend. You got a pun friend. No, I with you. I really like solo. Okay, yellow card. So we just said, what's the best? What's your favorite? Rogue One. Return of the Jedi. Empire. It's probably Return of the Jedi for me too. I'll go Rogue One. Probably my favorite. Return. Yeah, it, it return probably would be Return of the Jedi. Jedi. Mine's number three. Jedi. 
Sith? Or, oh, so Revenge I, of the I, Sith. I, oh, I, I, do like, Sith. I do like What's Revenge impressive about Sith. Sith and with the prequels as a whole is the lightsaber fights. George Lucas made saber That's fights true. cool in the prequels, better than the originals. George you is, see A New Hope saber fight between old well, man and other old man trying to <laughs> <laughs> George Lucas didn't know what he wanted to do at the time so he's like they're really heavy you gotta use two hands mm. and so when he went back to the I'm prequels sure you're very fast and you're seeing them flip around and do all this and then you go back to the that, yeah, that is the continuity but yeah. I think Revenge of the Sith has the best lightsaber fight between Kenobi and Anakin oh I got a story Agree, about 100%. that so Revenge of the Sith is my favorite one because I think it, it is very much and now that everything is kind of done with Kylo's arc, for me, Anakin did also have a similar arc. I know it, not a lot of people are a fan of his story in these three movies, but he had to have that moment along with Obi-Wan Kenobi, and they kind of go in tandem together of when at the end, you know, Aunt, or uh, Obi-Wan has the high ground, and, and Anakin is just, he is in it. Like, he is, I don't care, this is what I want to do. This is what I choose. And obviously he chooses opposite of what Kylo chooses, but he has, he chooses it for the same reason. And I know this is really ooey and gooey, but he chooses it for love that he thinks that's what he thinks it is, but it's really power. But for me, that moment when Obi-Wan is up there and he's like, I've got the high ground and he knows he loves this person and he has to kill him like that. For me, I was just like, holy shit, you guys are going to do this. <laughs> Jake gets a candy. Right, right, I have to talk. I have to talk about my feelings about Revenge of the Sith because okay. I saw Revenge of the Sith in probably the most ideal scenario you can get. Because when my dad was when I was younger, back in two thousand and five, I believe that was, my dad still worked in the video game industry, and he and his company were at E three, so he took me to E three with him. So Aww. I got to see it opening weekend in L A with a whole bunch of people who were all attending E3. So at this point, it was still a closed industry event. So mm. it's a theater full of people who are into video games. Very, very ideal scenario. I was bored stiff. <laughs> the Revenge of the Sith is the movie I come back to when I talk about how a prequel needs to work twice as hard to keep its audience engaged to make them forget that they know how this ends. And you talked about this earlier. For me, that fight is very well choreographed. The music is fantastic. I'm bored stiff throughout the entire thing. Because I know that, and I know they both live, and the whole first half of that movie made me so disengaged that by the time that final fight came along, I just didn't care. Mm-hmm. And you know, you ha- when you do prequels, when you do movies based on true stories, you have to work twice as hard as a filmmaker to keep your audience engaged to the point that they forget they know how it ends, or they don't care that they know how it ends. And for me, Revenge of the Sith ultimately fails because the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm like. Well, uh, Obi-Wan almost died, but, you know, he won't. Mm-hmm. Anakin's yeah. not going to die because he won't. <laughs> See, but I'm that person that loves, like, the movies that tells you how the um, evil Joker or how Maleficent or whatever, how they became that person. So I think that's that's why I like it, because I really wanted to know what pushed him to the level to become what he was, especially when we saw little Anakin, especially when we, you know, going back to the originals. But for me, we we were already there. We'd already seen him slaughter a whole bunch of innocent aliens in the second movie. And we saw him kill a bunch of kids. What they did with Shmi, they kind of still, (laughs) he decided to go be judge. Not the women and the children. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm not trying to disengage. I'm not trying to like dismiss your opinion or yeah. anything. I'm just saying for me, 
you know, we were already there. Like at the moment he turned on that lightsaber in front of that youngling, I'm like, all right, he's already gone. He just slaughtered a kid. So, you know, do I really need to watch him get yeah, maimed for 45 that minutes? had to take him out. Like I, for me, I was like, that's legit. Like, would you have done that? You well, know, like he, I kind of, I like to put myself in these fantasy scenarios mm-hmm. because I don't. You McGregor's acting yeah. is. You McGregor he, is one of my favorite people. And he I, carries it. But he and Yoda talk about it before because Yoda, they decide, okay, Yoda, I'm going to fight Palpatine. And yeah, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan tells, tells him, don't make me do this. Don't make yeah. me fight him. And he's like, this is part of your training. This is one of your trials. Is uh, I think it was more do the Emperor will kick your butt. <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, a little Jedi veteran trying to take on the evil Yoda's Sith the one that went out like a bitch. Give me my candy. I said the thing. <laughs> 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 Oh, whoops. No B's, no F's. Um, Just ran out of there. Revenge of the Sith also demonstrates how much Obi-Wan is a liar. Mm. Like, because when he tells Luke about, Mm -hmm. you know, Vader killed your father. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) It was Obi-Wan who chopped his legs off. Like, it was You know what? You know what? I'm I'm throwing throwing a flag. If you say you you tell the truth from a certain point of view, you'll get extra credit. And I'm going to tell you why right now. Because we just talked about... Uh, Rise of Skywalker, and if we can what? say that Kylo Ren died when Han came back and Ben Solo was reborn, then we can say Anakin died and Darth Vader was born. Mm-hmm. So Darth Vader did kill Anakin, and I don't want to. If you're going to play that, that game, yeah. you're going to play that game because I've always go, looked okay. at it that Anything same way. Okay, <laughs> when when he does explain it, it says Darth Vader killed I didn't your father. Even curse. No, I didn't. It's <laughs> the same thing. He took it over Anakin. Like, okay. So maybe he's not a liar, but he definitely leaves a lot of important details out. Everybody yeah. in these oh, yeah. movies a leave parent. a lot of details out. I feel like he's a yeah. parent. He gives everybody no. the information yeah. that they need to move the forward. Puppy, the puppy went to a farm in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? Going back to the, the, the I prequels. I that didn't hurt any kids that are listening. I, know, <laughs> I didn't say the puppy I was actually dead, but <laughs> my puppy really went to the farm. <laughs> no, but we're, we were talking, you know, the prequel. We all know where it's going. But, you know, I picked uh, Rogue One. Everyone kind of knows that but the problem is no one actually knew, yeah. knew that story right. so it's different it's it's one movie it's self-contained it's not a prequel mm-hmm. where you know from the beginning you know exactly where it's going to end up so wrote but prequel. you didn't know how many characters By were going to die and the minute I knew I'm like is well, everybody going to die well, this mama, is effing awesome right? yeah. but well, said because, they all died getting these plans no, no actually no that was for Jedi. Jedi that is the Jedi many Bothans died and, uh, what's a Bothan who knows see but, that's the next one that's in one of the books but no yeah it's in the book. Did the supplemental material. Did you do the readings? Uh, but no. The, Watch so, this movie and read these seven books. <laughs> but no. So so Rogue One. If you stop and think about it, you you can assume everyone or some people might live. Yeah. Yeah. All the way up till the end. And and in hindsight, I actually figured out why they had to kill everyone. Otherwise, A New Hope would not have been about Leia and Luke and Han. It would have been about yeah. Jin or Cassian. Or any of them, they would have been the heroes of the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Right. They all literally had to die. But the movie, because it's a it's a self contained unit, it's constructed in such a way that you can believe they might live. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the end, you're like, oh crap! Well, they the, actually the, did have the to die. The galaxy is a big place. Even if a few of them would have stayed alive, they could have been having a story somewhere else. But they would have been more important. Love, new yeah, hope. but yeah. I love that yeah. they effing killed everyone. Oh, it's the ballsiest yeah. ending in all of Star yeah. Wars, in mm-hmm. my opinion, mm-hmm. without a doubt. I do like the Next coloring of that movie probably the best, which is it's what beautiful. how I explain mm-hmm. the Mandalorian is if. Um, Rogue One and uh, 
Firefly had a baby, yeah. Yeah. it would be the Mandalorian. And Firefly is my jam. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. and, it's my jam. And and <laughs> I love the the moral grays that they explore. You know, with Rogue One, Rogue One changes your entire perspective of what the Empire is because you're mm-hmm. sitting there and you watch, you know, the Star Destroyer explode. You watch the Death Star explode. You're like, how many of those people were just another Bodhi Rook? who wasn't quite able, who wasn't strong enough to rebel. And you think, oh, well, how is the rebellion going to actually accept people like Bodhi, who wasn't strong enough to quite rebel? Are they going to be accepting of somebody whose first instinct wasn't to rebel? And then you have somebody like Cassian, whom I I adore him. I think he's one of my favorite Star Wars characters. You know, he's doing bad things in the name of good, and then there are people on the other side doing bad things. You know, it's just, I love all of the angles that it explores. I love how, you know, it, it challenges your perspective of all of Star Wars because for me, I watch the Death Star explode now and I don't entirely see a victory anymore. I mm-hmm. see there are a lot of people on there. Yeah. Probably a lot of people who were just like, I'm, I'm here, I'm doing my job. I don't, I don't want to, it's the, great, the great scene in Clerks where he's like, I was, I was about to say, on that yeah, yeah, exactly. In the new trilogy, they make us fall in love with a character that left, you know, and we see all that. We we fall in love with actually a lot of characters who left. There's a group you know, of them living a, on a planet. Yeah, right. and so yeah. knowing that and then going back and seeing that, it is like this big devastation yeah. even more. So, it, I mean, I went back and watched Rogue One a few times after seeing a few of the movies because there's so many things that they tie back to that movie, which is so great. Right. Um, what I really want to see, though, because I think in this, what people don't... I mean, we all love the droids, like we say we like them, but if you really take these droid characters and you take everything else out, these droid characters are phenomenal in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, what, the personalities that they put with them, the storylines that they put with them, and what I would like to see is, like, some droid-like support group movie. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's just a sketch like, on like SNL. Like Wreck-It Ralph with all the villains? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where, they all meet, where they all meet up and they're like, what the F is up with all these, you know, I used skin to be and skin wearers? I don't know. Right. They all, but, like, these droids are amazing, and just to create um, films that have to me it's the droids represent especially in The Rise of Skywalker how they treat C-3PO is like the second citizen Yeah, um, they really treat him like crap in that movie and they just kind of push it off as comedy um, but the way Poe treats him in that movie um, to me hurt my feelings a little bit especially with the way he treats BB-8 yeah. it's like, we treat him like a puppy but, like, some of my favorite characters are droids. Out of the whole yeah. saga, yeah. the mm-hmm. droids really stand out to me. And I have to say, Dio is my dog, Samson. When mm-hmm. I saw Dio, he talks? and he, well, no, but yeah. you go to touch my dog, Samson, and I swear you can hear him saying, no, thank you. And he backs up, <laughs> right? Yep, but I mean, true. just these little, the thing that I love about Star Wars so much through every single episode, whether you like the movie or not, is the little details that they put into things that once you've seen them over and over, you start, you know, really recognizing the details that they put into the stories and the side characters. And, you know, I don't know if you guys feel the same way about that. If you have a favorite droid or a favorite detail that most people don't. I will say that the, um, the moment where you see the light go out in K2's eyes in Rogue One, that Uh, was when I knew this movie wasn't effing around. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Oh man, they just killed the droid. That's the, I mean, if there was anyone, if you would ask me before that movie, uh, what character do you think is going to survive? I was like, the droid will probably survive. Of course the droid is going to survive. That's an easy one. They can bring back. They don't need to worry about aging. Solo. 
Like the whole droid rebellion. Like I love it. That is hilarious. I love it. Return of the Jedi when R2. It's that beginning moment when they're in the Sarlacc pit and everybody's nodding at each other. R2 has the most pivotal part in that in shooting that lightsaber to Luke. And when he springboards off, it's what, as a kid, and even now, I just jump up and go, (laughs) (laughs) That whole thing of the two droids going to Jabba's palace. Mm -hmm. I mean, C-3PO has no idea what's going on. R2 totally is the smartest character in the whole movie saga. Selectively smart. Sometimes he won't use the jets when he should. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like the whole original trilogy when apparently he forgot he had the jets he was out of fuel he was out of fuel <laughs> was that it? he was like, like man he forgot he had the jets it was illegal to use the jets during that time it was My embargo no one spilled up the oil yet um one of my favorite things about the whole saga um is with with um rogue one is that they brought, and I'm going to use my swear, they made Vader a badass again. Oh my yeah. gosh. Because the prequels incredible. weakened Darth Vader for me. Like, growing up, Darth mm-hmm. Vader was the epitome of evil and villain. And I watched the prequels, and I'm like, he's just a whiny little brat. Yes. And then Rogue I One comes along. I would have used a different B word. So, <laughs> I, I, I was not allowed to use that. So I, was I, was not expecting, Luke, I was not expecting to see that part in yeah. Rogue One. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so when you see it all happening, and you're like, wait a minute. Oh. I think I know what's down. going on. Uh-huh. Yes, like, when it's yep. all dim and the lightsaber clicks on, and you're like, oh. I want to swear. Has, has anybody done the, the void in California yes. or Vegas? Uh, I have. Yep. When, when you get to, you play the Star Wars virtual reality game at the void, and there's a scene where Vader, you start hearing the breathing, and you're like, oh, oh my, my heart skipped a beat. You know? I'm like, oh, it just got real. This is going to be bad. The void is um, incredible. But to me, the prequels weaken that villain, and I don't mind exploring what makes a villain a villain. But to me, they didn't do it really well. Well, I think that, honestly, the prequels shifted your focus rather than from Vader as this as this unstoppable force. It gave you more of a reason why the Emperor, yeah. why you should have feared him. And that yeah. was one of the reasons, like, that's one of the, the things about the prequels that I love the most is you see a master manipulator manipulate an entire government system an entire you know it's like an entire universe in in a sense and whatnot into doing his bidding and it's one of those where out of the many characters in uh in star wars uh emperor palpatine is almost one of my favorites just because you see you see how crafty he can be when he's when he's just being a manipulator and not being this all-powerful you know force user and then you see the folly of how he uses the force and how it bites him back every single time because it's one of those where it through the course of this entire series every time he's actually just moving the pieces Behind the scenes, he's perfect, and everything goes according to his plan. But it's when he tries stepping out into the fr- into the limelight and going, "I'm here. This is why you all should like should bow beneath mm-hmm. me." That's where he messes up. His like quest that. for power is yeah, he's that a coach. is his he's not, yeah. he's not a yeah. player. Like he's, he's the coach, but excellent. he definitely yeah. makes Vader the pawn. Well, makes the Skywalkers the pawn exactly. for everything that he wants. Which was, and, I actually loved that we saw Palpatine in the last movie. Yeah. For me, it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, because well, like, I feel the same way. He's really good in the sequel trilogy of being very subtle i mean in the first two movies you had no idea he was even back there pulling the strings yep mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 
Okay, so you got to get out of here in a couple of minutes. Do you yep. have any other things you want to yell at us before you leave? Uh, about 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 the whole saga? No, it's we've covered a lot of ground. What do you think about the mu- What do you think about the music? Star Wars music. It's all right. Star- <laughs> yeah, that Williams, he's pretty good. Uh, yeah, he's okay, I guess. It's, it's yeah. called... He might win an Oscar. The cantina music, there's a specific term for that kind of category. It's called jizz music. Honestly, mm. I've looked it up. It's called... Is that a candy? It is, wow. It's, it's a type of music. Do you need no, a piece the, of candy the now? Music- <laughs> No, really. That one's a half piece. Oh, yeah. No, to be, to be fair, it's, since you asked about music, the music is, has always been an additional Jim. story element. Yeah. It always, no matter how clunky George's dialogue might be, no matter yeah. how wooden a uh, performance might be, uh, John Williams' music has always given you something mm-hmm. to yeah. tell you, just understand, this is what we're going for here. Uh, and, and, you know, it doesn't matter how bad the rest of that crap is. The, the, he, he gives you that emotional flow right. to work I, well, your way through the, the, the films. The Fox executives weren't bought in on Star Wars at all when they had seen the footage until they saw it with yeah. John Williams' music. And then it was like, OK, now we get it. <laughs> I honestly feel like and I, I might get some hate mail about this, too, is that Star Wars wouldn't have been Star Wars without John Williams. Oh, I totally no. agree with I think, You're not going to get hate that, mail. John Williams that, haters are I, so mad. No, I mean, <laughs> it's like Lucas, people that really love George Lucas, I love George Lucas. Okay, I yeah. went to USC because of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and being there, awesome. But for me, I feel like the, the music and what John Williams did for these movies surpasses anything that any um, composer has done for any other movies out there. I mean, you can argue with me. I mean, still, Apocalypse Now, fantastic. Jaws, fantastic, whatever. But when you when you hear Star Wars music, you see the characters. Yeah. When I walk into Disneyland and they're playing Star Wars music, like, I'm getting goosebumps right now. I feel like my world is the best world. Well, and the thing is, is that he maintained that across. Yeah. It, yes. it, he it, was it the isn't, one he, stable he, thing. It's not Jaws has really great music. It's not It's not the shower, you know, screechy violin from Psycho. Right. It's what he did yeah. across he nine, told story, story, yeah. 85 movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, like, when you hear Ray's music now, because Ray has her own music, like, I see Ray. I feel Ray. I, like, I feel yeah. about when I... Of the story, when you hear, you know, the stormtrooper walk, when you hear Darth's yeah. music, mm-hmm. like it doesn't yeah. matter where I am or what I'm doing, I immediately have a feeling about when I saw the movie or who I saw it with mm-hmm. or what I. It, it's so nostalgic of what his compositions do for us; it just surpasses the movies for me. Yeah. I think you yeah, hit yeah. that on the nail. Like with the score, you feel that you don't only like just hear the music you can feel that music it takes you back it gives mm-hmm. you that memory it gives you that feeling of emotion and that's what it is like when i hear that score it just and, yeah. and let's the last comment i'll make before i wind up i don't know if you guys are gonna but it's his music you said nostalgia val it's nostalgic mm-hmm. but it's not that that music is timeless and there's a difference mm-hmm. um nostalgia is oh yeah look what jj did here and jj did there or whatever other movie Thing you want to look at, you know, whether it's Endgame, you get the nostalgia all the way back to first Iron Man. But Williams' music is timeless. Yeah. I'm and saying that, nostalgia like difference. in my life. Yeah. And, but, I'm just but, saying but, like, it, in, yeah, yeah you're, timeless you're, for sure. But like in my life, like when do you, you know, there are certain things in your life that when you smell something, you remember whatever, you know, like right. Die Hard. This is a weird analogy. Die Hard 3 will always remind me of my mom. And my mom's no longer here anymore. And that's a whole different story for a whole nother thing. But that's what movies um, 
do for that's what music and movies do yeah. for me is it encapsulates moments in your life like I will always remember you know certain things when I hear certain music from certain Star Wars movies and there aren't I watch a lot of movies that doesn't happen all the time this was a magical thing that happened with John Williams and the marriage with Star Wars that I don't think and I mean you could probably argue with me I don't think it's happened with any other no. movie saga I would no. agree with that. no yeah. all right I, I think we've, we're using some of your equipment, Mark, so we probably... <laughs> if you leave, what are we going to lose? You're going to lose that mic and that mic stand. Okay, well, he can share a mic with me. Or come around and use or this. Or just come around and use All right, so... But I, I love one of my favorite John Williams pieces is The Duel of the Fates. Yes. yes. The way that yes. that is cut and, and the score with the editing on that is brilliant to me. Um, just uh, the music in that sequence is just so great. Um, I've done uh, several Star Wars half marathons out at Disneyland and at uh, Walt Disney World. And crossing the finish line while they were playing the Star Wars theme was one of the coolest experiences ever. It was like I, I had goosebumps. I was that ready to cry. Cool. It was so great. Making me cry. <laughs> I remember hearing that um, when George Lucas talks about score and stuff, and when he worked with John Williams, that he wanted to make it so that if you close your eyes and just listen through the entire movie, the score along with the sound effects, which we haven't talked about, oh. Star Wars invented the like sound effects. Mm-hmm. They invented oh, it with my. the Tie Fighter screech. Oh yeah, with the, with the blaster noises, with the, with the, lightsaber. Of the lightsaber. Uh-huh. Everybody who plays with like a toy lightsaber knows what noise when you have to make. When you're playing with a balloon, when you, you make that noise. <laughs> exactly. Give me a broom. Give exactly. me a balloon. Give me a pencil. I'm making the noise. The whole thing. You can you can close your eyes and completely visualize it, and that's such a credit to John Williams solely, John Williams, because just that music evokes so much emotion. What would we say about what George Lucas and Star Wars have done for technical movie making? Industrial Light and Magic is yeah. the thing oh, that Star Trek. Sure. Oh, yeah. ILM is amazing. Mm-hmm. The work we, that they do is astounding. Gotten, Thank you. Well, without without ILM, we them. don't get Pixar. Yeah. We don't get um, the guys that did Lord of the Rings. Uh, Weta. 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 We don't have Weta without ILM. We Without, uh, without Star Wars and without Ahmed Best pushing motion capture technology yeah. to what it is now, we probably wouldn't have the MCU. Right. We wouldn't have Andy Studios. Yep. Yeah. So for people that are out there hating, and there are a lot of people that hate on George, man. There, I think there are like whole huge groups that meet mm-hmm. and cry in basements of their parents. And burn um, flannel as they do. <laughs> but what George Lucas did. They have rose effigies. One of my favorite, one of my favorite VHSs that I own. <laughs> that my friend gave me was actually a spoof done on how George Lucas came up with um, Star Wars. And it's him um, on the USC campus and basically falling in love with a girl and then finds out he's Is her that sister. George and Lucas then, in love? Yes, George okay, Lucas yep. in love. If you have not seen George Lucas in love, it's horrible. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's absolutely horrible. And I don't know if you can get it not on VHS, actually. So it's I have a copy, but somewhere. I do not have a nice. VHS player. It might be on YouTube. <laughs> but it's absolutely fantastic because it takes something so complex because Star Wars is pretty complex. And for somebody, you know, to sit down, and I think the only... There are a lot of great writers out there, but like, you know, we talked about in the last episode, um, you know, Harry Potter in that whole world is very intricate and very huge. But Star Wars before Star Wars, what did we have that was that big of a universe it was game that changer. technical in, in in film? Yeah. Flash Gordon Nothing. was the big Star thing Trek? back then. Uh, 
I don't. Well, even, Star Trek the Star, series came out in 1966. It was, it was a yeah, Flash Gordon serial. Motion picture didn't come out until after Star Wars. Yeah, we didn't have anything. I mean, he had to create. He was basically the James Cameron of his time, where he had to actually create things to say, okay, this is what we want to see on screen, but nobody's done this yet, well, so looks, let's go ahead science, and create Science this. fiction was not big in the movies. It yeah. was no. seen as cheesy of the Flash Gordon. It yeah. was it was a joke. Like the, the Fox executives thought Lucas was nuts making this movie. Well, and they kept saying it was a movie for kids. Exactly. It was a yeah. kids movie. Mm-hmm. And, and you look at the people he was hanging out with. I mean, he's hanging out with Steven Spielberg, but he's hanging out with Scorsese. He's mm-hmm. saying, I mean, and they, Brian De Palma. Brian yeah. De Palma. And, and Scorsese but none and De Palma, of them were who making, they were yet. Right, correct. <laughs> right. But yeah. they were on their yeah. way. They and they were, were all, making yeah. their gangster movies and they were making their gritty, realistic movies, right. except for Spielberg mm-hmm. and Lucas. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that you've got to give credit to Lucas for. He had a vision for what he wanted Star Wars to be and he pushed that through, yeah. opening up was, this whole new and world. And he was super smart because Fox did not want to make this movie. Nope. They did not have enough money to pay him what they should have paid him and he said, that's okay. What I would like is all of the rights to all of the toys. toys. And, and, and before... Nobody did merchandising. Nobody did merchandising. Really. I love this man for that reason yeah. because I'm all about I'm all about spending money and buying toys and merchandising and branding and that's my brain. Mm-hmm. And so for him to see that in advance of everyone else and he actually kept it in a row because it Star Trek toys were all over the place. There are some really crappy Star Trek toys yes, out there that have nothing yeah. to do with any of the movies. They got they got licensed everywhere. There was right, like right. kids in Germany making them. But like Star Wars, they like kept he kept everything in line, he kept yep. everything where it was and he kept making the money off of it and he was smart enough to know in advance that this is going to be big enough. I am betting on myself. Yeah. That's where that's what I think I missed in the last 3 movies is knowing so much that this was going to be good. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there was so much confidence without even knowing in the first three movies that I don't feel like we got in the last three movies. Bob Iger and Kathleen Kennedy were like crossing their fingers, their toes, their legs, everything to see if people were going to like these movies, if right. they were going to make money as, as much as everybody liked the originals. Right. Well, and he made more money in one year off the merchandise sales than all the theatrical. Well, that's what all of that's the, what the merchandise sales funded Empire, Empire uh-huh. Strikes Back. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the whole reason we got it. Is they, that's how he got. He remained independent. He was he could fund his own movies. He could do whatever he wanted. He was a game changer in more than that too. Yeah. yeah. When you it came to oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you you mentioned the merchandise, and and earlier you asked about you know what did you watch it? Do you remember the first time you seen it? The first time. I was introduced to Star Wars was the toys. Mm-hmm. I played with some of the toys and I, you know, remember asking my uncle and, you know, he was kind of younger at the time, you know, and so that's what introduced it to me is I was like, what is this, this is a cool. furry dog guy and a little Ewok <laughs> and the swords are coming out of their arms and stuff. And that's the pitch. That was the pitch for the movie right there. There's going to be a furry arm guy. There's going to be swords coming out of people's arms. <laughs> and so that's what Let's make got me into it and stuff. And so yeah. the, the merchandise is what it was. And so it's great. And I was like, Lucas is like everybody now is like, he's a genius. But back then he did not get the credit for that. Right. In fact, I, I, I believe so that, and I wasn't around this okay. time, so I'm just basing that off of documentaries and nerdy stuff that I watch. But with with Lucas, he was the first to not have an opening credits to actually show like the names of people, yeah, the, the producers, was was and that angered the, the guild so much oh. that he was kicked out. 
He yeah. was not a member at that point. And I'm, I could only imagine what that would do for someone to be like, I made the most commercially successful film of all time, and I'm not even getting credit by my peers yeah. for stuff. Like, no wonder the prequels had Jar Jar. So, like, even, like, saying what George Lucas has done and kind of going over to Jar Jar specifically, you know, oh, in shit. my realm I mean, of voice acting, Star Wars open the way for so many other things yeah. to actually be done voice acting wise yep. because before this voice acting was basically kept to cartoons, cartoons. and animations mm-hmm. that was it so to have in have a live action movie employ not just one not just two but over you know over a dozen different voices all done through voice acting of different styles different accents you know non non guttural i'm sorry guttural languages and things like that mm-hmm. things that were not going to be subtitled elsewhere opened up this entire arena where after star wars started coming out and as technologies advanced all of a sudden that's when games all of a sudden started looking at their capabilities as well and you start seeing more fully work done mm-hmm. in games rather than sitting there just like oh well we've you know it's like you're, you're thinking of your old atari games it was a so- it was a song and that was it right. but after that you started noticing effects being put over into that so even as far as we you know we've said with john williams with the score we've said with these different technical aspects voice acting and and that work was something where star Wars actually revolutionized and completely changed the game. And it is now allowed for so much more in those, in those aspects as well. One of the best moments of celebration Chicago last year was the standing ovation that the room rightfully gave Ahmed best that lasted several minutes because you want to talk, we we already discussed how star Wars fans ruined Jake Lloyd's life. You want to talk about somebody else oh, yeah. that yeah. Star Wars fans nearly drove to suicide. And that's right and when the internet was starting to come online and mm-hmm. chat groups were a thing. Mm-hmm. And it was nothing but it was awful. hate for Jar Jar. Yeah. And hate for Ahmed, who was just a guy mm-hmm. showing up and doing his job. And, and, and Jar Jar might be coming back, yo. <laughs> no, it's a Kenobi series, right? If, I mean, and that's one thing that, you know, we've seen backlash uh, within the last year against um, endings that didn't work. For Rise of Skywalker, for a lot of people, the ending didn't work, and Game of Thrones in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I did enjoy about the backlash against both of those is that a lot of the focus stayed on the creators, stayed on you know the, the writers and the showrunners and the directors and the, the hot, those people involved. Nobody really went after any of the actors yeah. this year. Nobody really went after... Yeah. Didn't feel I mean, like as many they, people went after yeah, they John went after Boyega Rose. or Oscar yeah, Isaac. Yeah, so bad. I didn't so have pissed, another yeah. Kelly Marie Trance situation exactly. this year. I think that's the reason mm-hmm. she wasn't in it too much because they just didn't want to give the fans that were out. <clears throat> no, I just don't think so. No, yeah, it was Carrie Fisher's story. fault, remember? I was reading that. God, freaking Chris Terrio. I have my one. Chris Terrio's an asshole. Can we stop giving Chris Terrio projects? He's rude. Ruining too many. I, I don't know who keeps giving. Should have been in Sire's jail after just as our, as our last, as our last one. And I brought this up in. Um, I brought this quote up in the last episode, but I didn't actually ask your opinion about it. And so I'm, we're going to kind of finish on this, but it might take a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on my daughter's birthday when she turned fourteen, and I was working for the Walt Disney Company. Disney bought Star Wars, and I remember driving the radio Disney van. <laughs> to her work at elementary school, which is the same elementary school that I went to. And I felt so empowered. (laughs) I showed up there because I was picked on, man. I showed up there in the Radio Disney van. I picked her up from school and I said, guess what mom's work bought today? 
<laughs> we bought Star Wars. And we went out and we had ice cream and we celebrated because this is before she started hating Star Wars. I pushed it on her at too young of an age. <laughs> um, she's coming back around. But um, a lot of people thought Disney buying Lucasfilms was the worst thing that could have happened to Star Wars. And after Force Awakens, so did George Lucas. Because, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's... And his wife actually called um, Bob Iger and apologized for what George Lucas said, but he actually went and said, and this is pretty big is that, you know, he felt like he sold his kids to, to slave owners, which yeah. I mean, he knows that's, all a, about that's, that's a that's harsh statement. And, and his wife things. called Bob Iger and said, I really apologize that he said that to you because they were, you know, it, he, he really trusted Bob um, to take the company, you know, in the right, in the right direction. And some people say that he was throwing a fit because he actually, um, pitched his own stories to Bob and the team and, and Kathleen Kennedy. Um, but they decided to go a different route. And so what was he throwing a fit? Was he really angry? Um, but what do you, do you think that, that him selling the company to Disney was, was bad? Or do you think it was a good route for Lucas films to go to? I think the Disney acquisition hunger in general is not a good thing. Yeah. Uh, creatively. I was very, uh, not okay with the fact that they bought Fox this year. I thought that was a bad idea. That being said, um, you know, as as somebody who is who does creative writing, it's very very hard to let go of something that you are creatively invested in. But sometimes you have to. Mm-hmm. And you know, they, George had his six movies. That was all his vision. But Star Wars is bigger than George Lucas now. Yeah. It was. It's been bigger than George Lucas since the moment the credits rolled on the first movie, and it always it, and it always will be. And what Disney does is they know how to market something. They know how to show us something that, you know, like I said, like I said, uh, the Force Awakens was the movie that got me into Star Wars. It was the one that made me, you know, go from respecting Star Wars to you know and enjoying Star Wars to actually like being a fan and buying the merch and like spending ridiculous amounts of money to go to galaxy's edge and like having mm-hmm. the time of my life. So, you know, it, 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 I mean, to try and say that it's a good thing or a bad thing, it's, it's too massive to try and think about like, would, would George have probably gotten another movie off the ground eventually? Yeah, maybe probably, but I don't blame Disney for looking at his ideas and going, yeah, we think we want to do something different, you know? And I don't see how George could have looked at the Disney corporation and be surprised at what they did because he was around during the Eisner and Katzenberg days. Oh, yeah. oh gosh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you want to talk about when Disney was at their worst. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. look at the Michael Eisner and the yeah. Je- mm-hmm. Jeffrey Katzenberg days. Mm-hmm. Like go read Disney war. Oh, yeah. that, that, that's yeah. a book. If you want to read about the, yeah. the, the rise and fall of Michael Eisner, like I, I don't know why he was so surprised that Disney did what they did. I really, I, I, I don't know what he was expecting. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, Disney isn't going to spend what they spend $4 billion. $4 billion. To buy yeah. They're not going to spend $4, $4. billion $4. not to make that money back. And then <laughs> yeah. so, like, Disney's a smart company and they're going to, well, they're going to invest in what's going to make are. the money. Look what I, they did I, with Marvel. They are yeah. now. Correct. Yeah. They, yeah. they struggled in the past, but, but I'm, I'm grateful that they, bought it because I don't know that we get like Galaxy's Edge without right. them mm-hmm. purchasing uh, Lucasfilm. And and there's a lot about the sequels that I really, really like. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the problem with the prequels is there wasn't enough 
pushback against George. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, he yes, surrounded, ma'am. It's exactly. There was nobody to say, George, you need to step back. Yeah. Especially when it came to some of the CGI decisions, it was like because it was so new. Yeah. And and I I've seen interviews with Lucas where he's like a kid in a candy store. He's like, I can do stuff that I never dreamed of before. I can completely change this movie in the edit. Then I could no. have post. Yeah, well, yeah. And so he's like, I can recreate this scene. I shot it one way. I can completely throw that out and start fresh yeah. in the editing room. And nobody was like, dude, That's time out. Right right you got to stop yeah. back. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, you, everybody knows I drink the Disney Kool-Aid. And right for me, for me, the Bob Iger days of Disney are probably, you know, my favorite. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love, I love Disney's days of Disney, but we're not going to get that again. Um, for me, um, you know, and, and George has said this before is that he wasn't sure when he wanted to bring it back. And even when he was sitting with Bob Iger in this discussion and he asks him, you know, would you think of selling? And he said, um, I'm, I'm not ready yet. He knew at some point he was going to sell this. And he told Bob Iger right there so that he would know just how much it meant to him. He said in my obituary, it's going to say, George Lucas, the creator of Star Wars, because that it is him. He is Star Wars. Star Wars is him. And, you know, he has created this. And so for him to give that to someone, yes, I I totally it would be really hard for me to give somebody a a stupid idea, let alone a really good idea and see them go off and make millions of it, you know, Mm -hmm. millions of, of money and all this without me. And so for me, I don't think that there's another company out there that could have taken it um, and really gone with it the way Disney has. I think that, you know, not everybody likes these movies, but I love the the direction that they are going Mm -hmm. with it um, and what they've done with it and the creativity. Um, I just don't see any other film company that was out there at the time that could have bought it and done this good of a job. I think they would have effed it up. Yeah. And and I think what they've done is they've kept this for a new generation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole new slew of kids. You go to Galaxy's Edge and you see these little kids dress up as Ray. Oh, God. Especially when they when they see they see the Ray. Oh, my gosh. They're just like their whole face. My 18 year old daughter spent 45 minutes following around the stormtroopers and she doesn't (laughs) like Star Wars. She's like, okay, mom. You know I don't like Star Wars, and I didn't really care about Galaxy's Edge, but can we spend more time here? And I'm like, twist my arm. You you don't want to go ride these other stupid rides. You want to spend more time here? That's what Disney, I think, what they've done is they've they've still kept exactly what George Lucas wanted. And they've thought about him. And, and, you know, again, I drink the Disney Kool-Aid, so I... You know, I believe in that they believe in creativity and letting people mm-hmm. do what they need to do for creativity. But yeah, they want to make a buck. That's what they do. Right. They're a company. They're, no matter who bought it, they would want to make money. Would want to they would be doing the same thing. Well, no, George Lucas didn't want to make any money when he started selling. She said, I hope to be broke on the streets by the time we're done with this. I just want to tell my story. Disney still would have been vying for those theme park rights. Oh, well, absolutely. they already had the rights for they Star, already Star had Wars. Was Star there. So I think they, they would have had something eventually. But honestly, honestly but I don't think that land. we would have seen the movies yet. I think because George Lucas was sitting on it and sitting on it and yeah. sitting on it, and he mm-hmm. needed somebody to push him, and he knew it. And I'm really glad that Bob Iger had the guts to do it. Yeah, yeah. and at the end of the day, I think I think. Everybody, even if they're going to say outwardly, no, they they made a horrible decision. And ever since then, these movies have just gone downhill. 
you're still getting movies like right, you're, Star Wars is alive. And I think yeah. that even the fandom, if there's one thing that I wish that like, I think that Star Wars has a great like start to keep going. Mandalorian's incredible. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think wow. Obi-Wan spinoff is going to be incredible once they can figure out whatever Strips. they're doing there. Yeah. But what they need to keep is that independent integrity mm-hmm. with, with what Star Wars was at the beginning with George Lucas. Keep it low budget. It works so well with John Favreau and what they're doing with Mandalorian. Puppeteering. Yeah. And try to focus mm-hmm. on story. Yeah. Focus on your story it'll, and character. It'll be interesting to see what happens because Bob Iger's got to step down next year yeah. and um, he hasn't really laid out who's going to come up and take control of that but i hope that they've got i hope it's not like when when eisner was there everything was crazy but i think it with every entity that they have right now they have strong people running them yeah. mm-hmm. um kathleen, and i really Kevin. love kathleen mm-hmm. kennedy i really love john favreau i'm really glad john favreau was allowed to come up with the mcu and star wars and really add his smarts there. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I mean, I'm just a happy Star Wars fan. I'm glad we have the movies. I'm glad we're getting the TV shows. I think Disney Plus is amazing. I spend way too much time <laughs> yes, watching it. Yes. That's why I've gained like 15 pounds in the last couple of months because I eat and I watch it and I eat and I watch it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we need to wrap it up. We're out of time, but thank you guys so much. We want to thank all of our guests for being here. This has been a lot of fun these last two episodes. Uh, We want to thank the listeners for listening to us for the last year, and hopefully you'll stick with us for the next year or so. (laughs) 50 more episodes. (laughs) At at least. And we want to thank Jeff and Megaplex for having us here. Thank you, Jeff. And allowing us to record here. We apologize for any crunching that was us eating food. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize for nothing. Thank you for listening and we won't see you at the movies. Bye. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.